0: what would it be?
1: There are things that we do not choose in life that will challenge us and really test us. And I believe that in those challenges and in that adversity, the only thing that you can control is what you believe, your perspective and your actions.
0: Proving that our perspective towards hardship can foster purpose and develop formidable resilience, Bradley Dryborough ran his first two marathons shortly after being rushed to hospital for complications with his chronic illness, a far cry from the harsh words of a childhood doctor who told Brad's parents he wouldn't survive his teenage years. The lessons learned in the face of life-threatening adversity is why Bradley considers himself to be blessed with cystic fibrosis. With a firm belief that choosing to control our perspective and beliefs are the first port of call in a successful life and career, it's no surprise that Brad has become an in-demand speaker for his ability to draw actionable insights from his own inspiring lived experience. Brad has such an interesting and unique story that I just can't wait to hear more. Brad, I am super excited to get you on the other side of the mic. Thank you so much for coming on my show today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. You and I have got a lot in common about dealing with adversity, so this could go anywhere, I reckon. But if there's one thing that you wish society would talk more about, what would it be?
1: I love this idea of talking more about perspective. I think the power of perspective, well, at least I know the power of perspective in my life has been incredibly powerful. You touched on there, Michelle, around adversity and the adversity that we face in life. And adversity is this thing that you can be a little bit foolish to think that, nah, my life's pretty cruisy, my life's pretty comfortable and I haven't had to face adversity and I think I'll be fine. I think I'll cruise along and you know, skip through life without anything really challenging me. And if you think that way, then I'm just going to say, sorry to tell you, but maybe you're a little bit naive. Maybe you are yet to experience the real hardship of life and, you know, life is full of pain. Pain is inevitable and things are going to challenge us. Things are going to come up in our life, much like, you know, you know, with your cancer battle and your, your challenges fighting against that, there are things that we do not choose in life that will challenge us and really test us. And I believe that in those challenges and in that adversity, the only thing that you can control is what you believe your perspective and your actions. And so for me that power of perspective and being able to see adversity as an opportunity, being able to understand and recognize that what we're challenged by allows us to grow, allows us to develop resilience, it allows us to walk through life or or even run through life with a lens of gratitude and so perspective for me is such a powerful piece that we can control in our life. And you know, we can't control the outcomes of the challenges we face. We can't control often what is thrown at us, but we can choose and control the way that we see it.
0: That's it, the episode's done. That's all you need to say. Lock it (laughs) it away. People just need to play that over and over. (laughs) And remember, you're talking my language, honestly, Brad. Like it's, I've been saying this forever. And I think one of the things that resonated when I started following you and reading about you is you have this term that you say, blessed with bleeding lungs, which is pretty confronting. Can you talk more about that and about, you know, how you got here? And also I'm interested then when you you said about that perspective and how lucky you are in some sense of having this adversity and overcoming it, were you always that way or was the start a bit of a wobble, you know, where you're like, poor me, like this is shit, you know, whatever, like talk to me about a bit about that kind of journey for you.
1: Yeah. So I guess to give complete context to it, I was born with cystic fibrosis and For for those who don't understand what cystic fibrosis, or more simply put, CF, as we call it, is, it's a genetic illness. It's a genetic illness that you were born with, an illness that I was born with and and was going to have to fight for the rest of my life because there's no cure for CF at the current. We hope that changes, but at the current, cystic fibrosis is something that you will be born with and you will live your life with. And so, cystic fibrosis is a defective gene that is supposed to transport salt and water to the cells of the body. And what this gene does is with that salt and water, it allows mucus to move through the body freely. But when you don't have that gene working properly, which is the case for people with CF, mucus sits thicker and stickier on the organs. Now, when we think of mucus, we think the lungs, the respiratory system as a whole, but mucus actually moves through the entirety of our body and organs. And so CF affects my lungs. It affects most people's lungs, but it also affects the gut. So the pancreatic sufficiency, or in the case of people with CF, an insufficiency, the inability to produce digestive enzyme, to take the nutrients from the food that we eat and break it down, the inability to control or regulate blood sugar levels with the release of insulin. And then also in in some cases, in some of the more severe cases of CF, like my own, liver disease as well. So I was diagnosed with liver disease at the age of nine. So when I come into this world as born on the 12th of April, 1996. I always say that I was almost the part of like this grandmaster plan because my parents, Darren and Diane, who are still two of the dearest people in my life, I love them to bits. They had a plan on how they'd bring their first child into the world. So they'd worked multiple jobs, saved a lot of money, bought the block of land, built the dream home, paid it off. They had no debt. They had no worries. They were ready to dedicate their entire life energy to being the best parents bringing a child into a loving environment full of opportunity what a beautiful situation painting it like that though that's just divine they're so incredible and so they had this grand plan and i love this quote from boxing great Mike tyson he says that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face (laughs) and so i'm born on the 12th of april and three weeks later my parents are sitting in a doctor's surgery or actually they receive a call to be more precise and that call is along the lines of your son has cystic fibrosis.
0: So they pick that up, sorry, is that like a genetic, they just do a genetic test when you're born, do they? Is that how they know?
1: Yes, through the Guthrie's test. So quite commonly it's through the Guthrie's test, which is the heel prick um, or the salt test. So there's a few ways of picking up CF. And you know, when I was diagnosed and I was a relatively healthy looking baby, I was struggling a little bit to put on weight in my early weeks. But outside of that, there was no reason to suspect that I was ill or was gonna have more challenges with my health. And so over the course of the next couple of months, they had to go, okay, we had a plan, but now it's time to pivot. We have to learn about CF, we have to understand what a life with cystic fibrosis looks and sounds like, what we have to now do as parents and what becomes not our fault, but our responsibility to step up for our child. And so they did. But then at my first ever cystic fibrosis specialist appointment a couple of months into my life they walk into this doctor's surgery and he sits them down in his office and he looks them dead in the eye and says that your son would be better off with the terminal illness that would kill him or he'd get over because this will ruin his life. That he won't make it out of his teenage years that his life is really not worth living. And in that moment they had a choice. They had a choice to be victims to go, well, you know, this is sad and and poor us and poor Brad. And, you know, he's going to live a terrible life. Or they had a choice to say, no, that's not the way that we're going to see it. That's not what we believe. And that's not the perspective we choose to have. And thankfully, it's why I'm ever so grateful for them. And it's why this lesson, this lesson that they were about to teach me in this moment is the greatest lesson I could have ever learned in life. And is something I think about every single day. They stood up, they looked that doctor in the eyes and said, you'll never see us or our son again. And they walked out of that room. They decided to find someone who shared a more positive vision for my life and for my future. And they truly believe that cystic fibrosis wouldn't limit or define me. And so as they walked out of that room, I now have the privilege of hindsight to look back on that moment and extract the lesson that what you believe is what you become. And how you see things is often how then you act and behave. And and has some influence on the outcomes of our life. And so from a very early age, they gave me this incredible gift, this gift that you will not be a victim, you will have your say, you will choose to see things in a way that is positive, And because of that, you'll flourish. And I did, and I still do. And so don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that it hasn't come with a whole heap of challenges and adversity because it bloody well has. But when you have that perspective and when you choose to see things positively, It allows me to sit back and make a statement like, I'm blessed with bleeding lungs. I'm blessed with cystic fibrosis. This is an incredible teacher, an incredible gift because it's made me who I am. And it's developed a level of character and resilience that allows me to move through life going, I can achieve anything I want to achieve and anything that hits me head on, bloody hope to God it hits me hard because otherwise I will get back up and keep moving forward at it. And that's the way that I live my life. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, my mantra as well. I completely resonate. I want to pick up on the doctor's
0: point there, though. Is it because um, the statistics around cystic fibrosis are not particularly good? Is that where he was coming from?
1: For sure. And I often say that it's, it's really weird that we live in a world where cystic fibrosis is quite misunderstood or quite, it's something that people quite don't know about. Well, the explanation
0: you just gave about the whole mucus, I was like, wow, I didn't know that which I feel very ignorant about because obviously I've known about cystic fibrosis my whole life. Like I've heard about it and people would have never heard that explanation.
1: Well, here's the thing, right? So cystic fibrosis is or was at some stage recently the most common genetic illness in Australia, right? So when we talk about that, we talk about around 4,000 people in Australia living with cystic fibrosis. And so you might wonder, well, if it's one of the most common genetic illnesses, how do we not understand more about it? How do we not know more about it? How do some people not know about it at all? Well, to answer that question, really into the last 15, 20 years, cystic fibrosis was called the childhood's disease because people didn't make it out of their teen years. And so without people living with CF and operating in the normal world, People don't learn about it. There's no awareness. And so things have changed on a medical front whereby, you know, now the conversation is more positive. We still only have a life expectancy in Australia of around 40 odd years of age, but I believe that's going to change with some of the really life-changing drugs that have hit the market, especially in this last sort of 24 months. But to answer your question, that doctor was giving a very realistic take on what, The future would likely look like but i just have this belief that we talk about life expectancy what a myth that is because you're not guaranteed any more time than i am michelle in fact nobody's guaranteed any time on this earth because we hear sad stories every day about somebody who has gone too soon or somebody who unfortunately lost their life too young and you know we see some people live on very long lives but The truth of the matter is we do have some control in it. The way that we treat our bodies, the way that we look after ourselves has some control in our longevity. But also there is an element of it that is out of our control. You know, I was just on Insight last night on SBS talking about the topic of death, right? And it's quite a heavy topic and it has an effect on the people around you when you talk about death and your mortality. But in understanding that we all are gonna die someday, it gives us this beautiful lesson that life should be appreciated, And so what I love about my parents and what I love about the mindset that they've gifted me and the mindset that I've been able to continue developing and and owning now for myself as a man is that we all have some choice. We all have some input. And I, I hate it, and this might sound harsh for people to hear, but let me tell you, if you live your life with that victim mentality, it will not serve you. Feeling sorry for myself never done me any good. You know, if you feel sorry for yourself, you will live a very sorry life. And so you have to make a choice at one point. And I would highly recommend sooner rather than later to own your circumstances and to choose to see it positively and choose to do something about it. Even if you can only do a little bit from your end, do that little bit. Because what that doctor said was never gonna serve me to live negatively was was not gonna give me the opportunities that I'm now living today. And I believe that hope is an incredible medicine and, and hope is a, is a foundation that is built off the back of belief and perspective.
0: Well, the power of the mind is still very underrated, I think, and not, you know, fully sort of understood in our um, mainstream medicine world. Like I remember when um, my mum passed away in the lead up to her, I was 27. And, um, you know, the doctor sort of rang and said, oh, she's got this much time or whatever. And I was like, really? My mum's like, she's got an incredible will to live. I'm not sure I believe in that. And then fast forward to then having my own cancer journey, I remember sitting in front of my oncologist and I said to him, do you believe in giving a time limit to people, you know, to say you've got three months to live or you've got three years to live or whatever? And he said, no. He said, I never give a time frame because you don't know that like circumstance of that person. And, you know, I'd always experienced through life, I've had a lot of death. Um, it's Interesting, you were talking about that topic last night. It's one of my uh, favourite topics to talk about and wrote a book about it. But, you know, for us to sort of fully understand, you know, you'd see so many people that would die, you know, young um, and have no kind of will to live. And those that have a cancer or a serious illness kind of diagnosis and then live for the next fifty years, right? And so this doctor, he said to me, "I don't believe in taking it to me, you never give a time frame because to me it takes time away um from that person. I was like, well, that was quite profound. And um the other advice I remember asking him was, you know when I came out of the operation and they took the tumour out of me and everything, and, I said, okay, like I'm, you know, studious, I want to be good and I want to make sure I'm doing all the right things. I'd read all the diet information, I'd read that alcohol has a big effect on, you know, women's cancers and stuff. And I said, okay, so should I go off all that? Should I stop this, stop that? And he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, your only restriction is that you must never, ever drink bad wine.
1: Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> I was
0: like, poor quality wine. I was like, okay, righto, game on. <laughs> so take that for 20 years I've been taking that. But... um you know, I think that the the power of the mind of which, you know, just say that's the gift, like your parents, one, that that's what they demonstrated, that positive attitude. And it's not about, you know, we're not Pollyanna. You know, it's not like you don't think clearly they would have been really upset and going through that with their firstborn, but they chose to have a different attitude about it and especially surround you with that good, positive energy. And energy has an impact on people. I don't give a shit what people say, like it has an impact.
1: It does, and I think often when we talk about the power of the mind, we talk about the power of the mind and what it can do to positively impact your life. But if you flip the script, the power of the mind and what it can do to negatively impact your life, if you choose to think negative thoughts, I think it was Seneca, the great Stoic that said, we often suffer more in imagination than we do in reality. And I think often we we allow thoughts to build up in our head that are more negative than the reality of our current situation. So sometimes it's think less, do more.
0: So true. Yeah. And it's like those tough conversations you've got to have with someone or the, you know, anxiety you get about a particular situation. When you go into it and do it or feel it go through, you know, like run through the, um, you know, the saga, it's never, ever as bad as you imagine, ever. 100%. And you've like delayed, you know, you put it off for months. You're like, why did I wait so long to do that?
1: For sure, and I think it's, it's really important. I had this conversation with someone yesterday that in acting courageously, in choosing to, to be positive in your perspective, in choosing to have strong foundational beliefs, it doesn't mean that you don't ever think negatively. It doesn't mean that you don't have fears because that's normal. That's a part of being a human. It's just making the choice to do something about it. It's making the choice not to live in that space. And that takes courage and that takes commitment. And it takes actually checking yourself and being self-aware enough to say that something needs to change. But I find that some people get discouraged and say, oh, how how do you live like that? Or how are you so positive? I'm not that positive. Well, you can be that positive. And and just like you, I think negative thoughts too. Just like you, when I first go into hospital or I'm first battling a bleed in the lungs, the first thing that comes to my head isn't what a blessing. It's, man, I'm in the fight. I'm here. But then when I check myself, I go, now it's time to react in the way that I react, in the way that I know is going to serve me. And so it's really important to recognize that just because you're you're doing the right thing doesn't mean that you're challenged by, you know, those negative thoughts, feelings, emotions that are a natural part of being a human being. And I think it's, um, you know, some people like when you
0: say, you know, you're seeing your hardship as an opportunity to grow and learn, I think that that's obviously shows a very mature being, you know, someone say like a enlightened person that can look at things that way. And, um, when someone is in the depths of despair and it might, I kind of look at it sometimes where to your point, I feel like we've had drastic shit happen to us, but it's physical, you know, it's a physical medical problem that's happened to our bodies of which we've had to make drastic action in our life. And, Sometimes when people have just got, you know, crazy anxiety or other kind of shit that like terrible trauma that's happened to them in a different way, but didn't physically happen. It's happened to them emotionally. Like that's different. I, I mean, I'm curious on your thoughts on that, but, and how you're in the depths of despair and people listening to this might go, yeah, that's fine for you guys. But like, I'm here, my life is shit and I can never get out of this. I can't be positive. Like you two can be Pollyanna <laughs> but some um, Is it back to the sense of that self-responsibility and taking action for yourself wholly? Like that's how I kind of feel about it, but I'm curious on what you think.
1: I would agree with you in in many respects there. And and I will come out and say that I have never been in a battle with depression. I've not experienced anxiety. I felt anxious. I've felt sad. I've, I've felt as though life is challenging. And there's been times in my life when mentally I haven't been at a peak. There have been challenges in my life. However, what I will say is a beautiful quote that one of my mates said to me the other day. He said, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And so what I mean by, you know, you said there, somebody might say, well, my life is shit. You've chosen to speak those words. If you speak those words into existence, be careful because often what you preach becomes your existence or becomes your reality. And so I'd say, Yes, it's okay not to be in the best position. It's okay to to be struggling, but you choose the direction in which you take. And if you don't like something about your life, if you don't like something about the space that you're in, do something about it. And it doesn't mean that the first thing that you do will correct all wrongs. It doesn't mean that the first time you change direction or choose to take another path in life that you'll sail smoothly towards your destination because that's just not the truth of the matter. But when things are going wrong, try something positive you know, and try something different
0: if it's not working shake it up 100% what have you got to lose that's what i say other than your shit or <laughs> your pretty crappy situation they're like oh but i couldn't do that i'm like why the fuck not like you're in the you know the shitty horrible situation
1: like why not try something different you've got nothing to lose other than all that crap you're in to behind <laughs> i tell you what michelle it's it's funny to me that in life people will freak out about losing money. They will freak out about losing status. They'll freak out about losing friends. But when their life, their mindset, their mental, their physical is in turmoil, uh, well, you know, maybe I won't do anything about it. Like your life is worth fighting for. Your life is very much worth living. And if you can muster the courage to do something so that you can mentally move through life in a positive way so that you can find a sense of meaning so that you can have people around you who who fill your cup and add value to your life you can have people around you who you want to add some value to and you want to love and look after that's all worth bloody living for if you ask me and and I just encourage people to never give up and I, I definitely don't want to come across as someone who is privileged because he's happy and he's doing something that he loves because this has taken work and it's taken time.
0: And you've made sacrifices, huge. You know, we talked about that before coming on air. We both have a podcast that's been three and a half years old, your fabulous podcast, and to give a shout out as well, a lot to talk about, is just wonderful. That You know, we're similar in terms of our conversations and things. But it's a shit ton of work and people don't realise that.
1: It is, it's a shit ton of work and it's also... You know, it's come with its fair share of pivots. Like I've sacrificed everything I've ever owned to be in this position. I left a job to pursue passion, to, to find some meaning and purpose in life. I sold my home. I've gone broke twice. I've been through it all, Michelle, and I'm 27. And still, I choose every day to continue to live positively, to continue to show up for myself and pursue life to push for good things in life and you know there have been times like in 2018 i moved away to melbourne for work and i was in my worst physical shape of my life i was in the worst mental space of my life i'd taken myself away from my people to try and make good money and i found myself super empty And there were plenty of weeks where I'd cry in the shower every night. I was in a terrible place mentally. I was not happy and my life didn't have any real meaning. And I looked around me and questioned who I was, what I was doing, you know, where I was going in life. But that's no reason to give up. It's a great reason to change course, to course correct, to start to ask yourself the questions that are going to reveal some answers or at least allow you to go on the journey of finding some answers. You know, a good friend of mine, Rich Deviney, he said to me, he said, Brad, the quality of our lives are directly proportionate to the quality of the questions we ask ourselves. And I don't often think that we ask ourselves enough questions about ourselves and about our lives. You know, we, we're always looking for answers, but are we asking the right questions? You know, I, I just the other day had a had a really powerful conversation with, with a gent, Josh Hares, and he said that, the life he's living now has been curated off the back of the question that his mentor asked him. He said, I wanted a change in my career. I wanted a change in my life focus. And so, I asked my mentor, how do I go about finding my dream job? And he said, forget the idea of a dream job and ask yourself the question, what does my dream day look like? What does my ideal day look like? And that will allow you to reverse engineer and figure out, what needs to fit into that dream day, what sort of job suits that day, what sort of activities or outlets or people allow you to sustain and obtain that in your life. And so, you know, when I sat back and asked myself that question, you know, what what does my ideal day look like? It was a lot of simple things. It was being up and being out running as the sun's rising. As you know, that first light's in the sky, the way it gives me a little boost of serotonin and dopamine and, and I feel like my day's starting off The right way it's jumping in the water and being connected with nature for a minute and doing something that's a little bit challenging like in the middle of winter nobody wants to get out of bed and nobody wants to jump in the cold water and go for a run but for me personally the challenge is very rewarding and i truly believe that seeking that bit of discomfort that bit of discomfort that actually adds to me and allows me to develop as a man to develop as a human being is really important foundation of every day to then go and spend some time with you know, my partner or some of my mates or talk to my family on the phone in the morning just fills my cup enough so that when I'm in it and I'm doing work and things are challenging and adversity comes my way, I feel topped up. It's asking ourselves these questions that are really important because so many of us move through life on autopilot. Don't even know where we're heading.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And um, you said so many things there. I think it resonated, but I want to pull on a thread around those people that, you know, the poor me, You know, we've talked about like how to get out of those kind of funks, I guess, and, you know, our experiences and what we've done. How do you deal with negative people in your life or that you've come across? Because um, I just find I'm getting way less tolerant. And I think because of the experience of what we've gone through, I used to tolerate that and try and help those sort of people. But, those individuals that don't take any responsibility for their own kind of life or well-being and you know the poor me and you know this has happened to me and that and my life's you know all the all the things how do you deal with those people
1: with honesty and i've been challenged by this and i've, I've just had a conversation or well, a lot of conversations around this in the last week because one of the biggest challenges for me is you know i see my purpose in life as uplifting and inspiring hope in others through story. And whether that be other people's stories or my story, I feel as though I have a real responsibility to be someone who, when you leave a conversation with me, you feel better about who you are, right? And so that for me is is really important. But at a certain point, I begin to experience the challenge that, and especially in my local area, because I live in Wollongong. Wollongong is some people would define it as a city but really it feels like a big country town because you know there's 400 or 1000 people in our region and let me tell you most people walk through Wollongong and know a lot of those people and so doing what i do it's interesting and so people want to talk and yarn and i know plenty of amazing people here and i love human connection but i've allowed too many people access into my bubble i've allowed too many people access into my space and access to my time And so often I feel stressed by or challenged by the idea that I can't be everything for everyone. And I have a very select few people, what I'd like to call an inner circle of people who are very important to me, who I want to give my time and my value to because they give it back to me, but also because they mean a lot to me. And so I'm consistently challenged by trying to be everything for everyone, but realizing that I can't be. And so I'm learning and challenging myself to remove access to to understand that you know, all of the acquaintances, I can still love them and respect them and want the best for them, but it's not my role to be that for them. And, and you, know, you made an incredible point off record before that and it's an incredible feeling that we can provide values through something like a podcast or the way that we share stories for those people at the masses to reach. But on a personal level, I'm realizing, and, and I've never been tolerant of negativity, I'm empathetic to it because I've been there. But the first thing I do is I deal with it with honesty. I say, this isn't going to serve you. And I know this isn't where you want to be. Tell me clearly, is this how you want to live the rest of your life? Stuck in this negative whirlpool of emotion and feeling and thought that is bringing you down and chipping away at you. And if anyone's honest with you, they'll tell you that the answer to that question is no. Right? Because nobody wants to live that way. And if that's your answer, let's do something about it. And how do you do something about it? Same thing that we said. Perspective. Belief, action, and just change things. Introduce things into your life, and so with negative people, I've I've taken the the lens of honesty, and I will never give advice, but I often try to just lead by action, you know, and lead by action, and allow action to create example. And I've had a lot of mates in my life who I've got a lot of incredible mates. I've been what's one of the areas of my life in which I've been so blessed that I've always been surrounded by really good people, people who would support me through thick and thin and vice versa. But as everyone does, a lot of those mates have had struggles or challenges and I've always observed, I've always been there to listen, to lean on. But I realized at one point in my life that I used to preach a little bit too much. I used to say, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. And I realized that that often wears thin. And rather I, at one point in time, chose And it was actually the point in time in which I started podcasting because podcasting gave me a whole lot more empathy for hearing people's stories and understanding not just where they're at, but the context of where they've come from. And I realized that not everyone's had the same incredibly inspiring and and motivational parents that I did. Not everyone's had the same mindset their whole life as I have. So everyone's going to deal with their situations and realities differently. And so in understanding that and having that level of empathy that was added to my life, I then realized that it's my job to listen and lead by example. And I found that a lot of my mates had then come to me over the course of a couple of years and said, you know, I've watched from afar as, as you've done this and it's had an impact on how I want to now operate and live throughout the next lot of years of my life and through this next chapter. So can I come with you on that journey? And to that, the answer is always, yeah, let's go. And so for me, I think you can only ever listen and only ever lead by example because as any of us do. Like I was a rebellious kid in my high school years. I wasn't doing anything crazy, but I was definitely not excited by the idea that authority was telling me how exactly I needed to be, how I needed to dress, what I needed to do. Uh, you know, I'm someone who likes to be a bit of a black sheep and take my own path. You don't overcome the adversity
0: you've done that without pushing boundaries is my, and we're rule breakers because if your parents followed the rules that the doctor said, you, you know, may not be here. So uh, I reconcile that with the fact that we're rule breakers and that's what keeps us and makes us the way we are. It's good.
1: It's a good thing. For sure. And, and I think it's recognizing that if, if I'm like that, maybe a lot of people are wired like that at the core too. So don't tell them what to do. Just show on the way. I reckon,
0: um, Brad, we have just literally just scratched the surface, you and I, with the uh, stuff we could talk about. But this has been divine. Really loved hearing your story and the work you're doing in this space to lead by example, as you say, is just wonderful. So um, I hope we reconnect again soon. Thank you so much. It's been a lovely chat today.
1: It's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show and you know, really excited to see you continue doing good things in your life.
0: Well, there you have it. Wasn't that an incredible conversation? I hope you enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed bringing it to you. If you did like it, can I ask a small favor?